Good job, everybody. Sure to appreciate the musicians and Tanner leading us in song as well. Now, the Bruins family has been visiting with us for a few weeks, and they're an LCA family that's been uh, been visiting, like I said. And I don't know if they would have come if they'd known we were going to put them to work like this, the, the girls. Um, but we sure do appreciate Lydia and Miriam uh, stepping in and helping out with the with the uh, music, it was certainly beautiful. And also giving Tanner an opportunity to lead from this position rather than over there. Tanner's done a lot of leading music from the piano, which we really uh, like that approach. But it's good for him to get the experience of leading here in front of you all as well as um, conducting. So we're uh, grateful for uh, all of these. Now, uh, before we get into the message, I want to take a moment to encourage you this year and exhort you to hopefully spur you on in the reading of scripture. I sent out an email uh, earlier this week that has contained in it a little descriptive letter about a plan that I'm just offering to you for reading the Bible. And also we have in here a uh, some scripture memory. So I want to just sort of read through this little letter that I sent out to uh, to try to spur you on in this. You know, the new year rolls around. That's a great time for us to rethink what we're doing and what we're going to do in the coming year for growing in the Lord, how we're going to be seeking Him. And I've given you actually four options for reading the Bible in this little plan that we have. Grant, I don't know if we can pull that, pull that up there or not. Can you put that letter up on the screen? And we'll see here. All right, so in this... You see these pointers not working, but there's one, two, three, and four. You have in this little plan that I've sent out an uh, all option. If you want to read through the whole Bible, uh, this kind of lays out chunks for you that you read each week, the 52 weeks of the year. This kind of keeps you on target for that if you want to read the whole Bible. But we also have an option of New Testament. If you just wanted to read through the New Testament, this is also called the 260 plan. And you can read one chapter a day, five days a week, take the weekends off. At the end of the year, you read through the whole New Testament. Or you can read the Old Testament. I've laid out for you um, approximately how many chapters you need to be reading each week, going through the 52 weeks. It's about 17 chapters a week in order to do that. And then if you want to read number four is another all option, New Testament and Old Testament. You just read both of those, what, you're, what is required for the New Testament, what is required for the Old Testament, and go through the Bible in that way. Um, Bible readings and scripture memory passages will be sent out each week or each Sunday through Share Faith Connect. Do you have your cell phone with you this morning? Silly question, isn't it? So in your, if you were to pull up your text messages, you see a little number pop up, and it's 22383. And under that, you've got on there this week's memory verse, and you've also got the chapters that you need to read if you're according to whichever plan you're following. So it's going to be coming out, God willing, each Sunday in a text message. And now what, what we can do is we can work on these memory verses throughout the week and try to learn them. And I've also sent them out in the in the email document that I've sent. Does that make sense? So like this week's verse is Proverbs 30, verse 5. And it says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. 
All right, so we can work on that this week. If you got a chalkboard or a whiteboard at your house, you can write it up on that. You can pin these up on the fridge, different things like that. Now, let me give you some uh, little tips about con- concerning Bible reading. First of all, I just want to say to you, don't stress. Relax and enjoy reading the Bible. Read it with your house shoes on, not your work boots, okay? You don't have to have your work boots on all the time when you're reading the Bible. Just read it with your house shoes on. Relax and enjoy reading God's Word. Be determined to accomplish what you set out to do for the glory of God. We can determine to do so many things in our lives, but when it comes to the disciplines of the Christian life, Though that determination can quickly wane and we can put it to the side because things get too busy. Be determined. See, failure is not an option, so remove it from the list. There's no excuses not to read or listen to the Bible. Sorry, but the only excuse is that we don't want to read the Bible. If you don't read it, it's only because you do not want to read the Bible. Because we all do what we want to do. Did you know that? We all do what we want to do. If you're not a reader, a good reader, that's okay. I'm not a good reader either. But I would say listen to the Bible. There's plenty of options out there for us to be getting the Bible into our minds and in our hearts. If you get behind, don't worry about it. Just read for the week that you're living and just keep on moving. Get back on track and just keep going. Mark off what you accomplish. Read together as a family if you desire to do that. It's easy to do this through the New Testament. And I'd also say maybe you want to buy a new Bible and try a new translation. Shake things up to make yourself curious and interested in what you're reading. Now, the next thing that I want to give some little pointers about is concerning Bible memory. Uh, You can take a copy of the verses, as I said, pin it to the fridge. Go over the verses at mealtime with your family. Review verses before bed each night as you're driving along. Ask Quiz one another on that. Make a song out of the verse. You ever done that? Proverbs, uh, Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 is one that came to my mind that I uh, made a song out of a long time ago. And I, I'm just going to sing that for you all now. No, nah, I better not. But uh, the, the verse is, He is the rock. His work is perfect. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice. A God of truth. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So, uh, you know, I was sitting at my desk the other day, and I thought, which which verse could I think about? And I, and I just started singing that. And it's been a long time since I've really thought about it, but it, it came back to me as I started reading it and according, or singing it according to the tune. So make songs up about the memory verses. And... Um, You know, you can make it a part of your curriculum for school if you're teaching your children at home. Uh, Partner with someone else or another family in the church for accountability. Graciously quiz yourself and one another to spur each other on. And uh, do know that the verses that I've sent out and that we'll be sending out are in the New King James Version. You can feel free to manipulate those attachments and those um, messages as you need to with the scripture uh, translation that you are working from. So I hope this will be helpful to some of you this year and that we are all committed to knowing Jesus Christ through the written word of God in 2023. If we can help you in any way with any of this, let us know. So anyways, the uh, papers in the back are here like this, and this has all year laid out for you, and those are on the back table if you want to grab one of those, and we've also sent it out in an email. Just, I just finished up, it so happens, reading a little biography on John Newton. And uh, though he was a blasphemer, 
He was an insolent man. He was wicked. He turned people away from any sort of religion that they might have believed in. And he turned them away to believe in the age of reason and uh, to deny God and to hate God and to mock God. John Newton did that for many years. But then when God began to work in his life to save him, he was steering a ship in the middle of the night in a storm. And God began to bring back to his mind scripture that his mother had taught him before or around the age of six years old. And God took that scripture that he had not thought about in years and began to use that in order to convert him and cause him to actually believe now in the God, the God that he had spent years blaspheming. So you just never know how God will use his word. You may say, well, hey, I, I memorized it, and then two months later, I, I can't remember it for anything. Well, guess what? If it is planted in your heart and in your mind, the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture back to mind when it is needed. And God can use those things in your life in a way that you and I will not, cannot even really fathom many times. So it is our responsibility to get God's word in our minds. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season. You see, when the Scripture is in us and we are in the Scripture, we are able to, as God's people, bear fruit in season. Y'all believe that? It's true, so I want to encourage you with that uh, this year. Now, I, now, let's go ahead and get into the message here for a few minutes. In 2 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Thanks, Grant, for putting that up on the screen. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's spend a little bit of time here today. Really, I want to stir you up, just as Peter desired to do for his readers. I want to awaken you if you are slumbering and sleeping, if you have become at ease in Zion, if you are settled in complacency, in your Christian walk, if you look back over this past year, 2022, and you realize you've made no prog- no progress, then I do not want 2023 to be the same at the end for you. I pray that it, we all would grow and be diligent in our walk with the Lord this year. Let me pray before we get into this. Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name and pray, Lord, for us as we go into this next year. Uh, Father, we have we have all sinned in 2022. We've we have we've missed the mark too often. We've been um, lazy and apathetic and at ease. God, we have presumed upon you. We have uh, cheapened the grace of God in the way that we have lived. Father, we have. We have lived many times as practical atheists. And, Father, I confess that. And, Father, I, I pray that as we go into this year that we will be stirred up, Lord, not to neglect. Not to neglect our calling. 
Lord, not to neglect the grace of God, but, Father, that we will, because of that, be diligent in our in our pursuit of you, in our profession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and confession of that. And I pray, Father, that we will seek to live it out daily. Help us, Lord. We will fail. We will falter. We are prone to wonder. But, God, I pray by your grace that you would keep us Bring us back and help us to set our affections on things above, not on things of this earth. I pray that we will set our gaze upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so here in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm just going to kind of start and work through some of these verses together, not knowing how far we're going to get, but I do know that there's a point that I want to make that I've already expressed to you to some degree. And I'm concerned that people, some of you perhaps even, are walking through life and you're not having a full assurance of salvation. There are various reasons for this. It could be that you're not saved, that you've never come to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. You see, that is the gospel. Those four things, those are the tenets of the gospel. You've got to know them. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So you've got to know what the gospel is if you're going to be saved. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the appearance of Jesus Christ. Know that. If you are asked that at any point in your life by a brother or sister in Christ here at the church or by a stranger out on the street, what is the gospel? Then you ought to be able to confidently say that it is that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day and He was seen alive. You've got to be able to know that. So it may be because you're not saved if you don't have assurance of salvation. And if you're not, then my exhortation to you is to believe in the gospel because it is able to save us from our sins and it alone. It may be because you are still trying to please God with works of righteousness. You're trying to accomplish your salvation further by works of righteousness. Or it may be because you do not think yourself worthy of salvation based upon some experience that you've had in the past. Maybe there are other reasons But we go through life sometimes without assurance of salvation. In uh, 2 Peter, this is an important passage because it's really dealing with this issue. If you were someone that I was counseling with and talking to, and you were unsure about your salvation, this is one of the passages that I would take you to. What we find here in 2 Peter chapter 1. The first 11 verses of this chapter, uh, Peter sets out to cause the uh, readers... Uh, to examine the basis of their conversion and to walk by reminding them of some key spiritual uh, truth and key spiritual uh, for spiritual growth. Then in the next six verses, he sets out to show them what 
the spiritual growth of the converted man should look like and the utter futility of thinking we're saved without these marks. So let's pick up there at verse 1. Now I've just entitled this The Divine Nature. That's the only slide I have for you today. Uh, Verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant. That's the word doulos, and we are quite familiar with that from Ephesians chapter 6. He's a slave of Christ. So he says a bondservant and a apostle of Jesus Christ. You notice he puts bondservant ahead of apostle. He views himself as a slave of Christ before he is an apostle of Christ. And then in verse, uh, continuing in verse 1, he says, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at that for a second. Because in the latter part of this first verse, he says, to those who have obtained. You notice it it doesn't say to those who have generated. It doesn't say to those who have um, um, manufactured. It doesn't say to those who have been able to. But he says to those who have obtained. And the word obtained here is the same word. It is a word that is used in John chapter 19, where they talked about casting lots for the clothing of Jesus. And it's also found in Acts chapter 1, where they were looked for someone who was numbered with them from the beginning of the ministry. Excuse me just a minute, I feel a cough coming on. <coughs> so, it is a word that means chosen by lot. They have obtained it as though it was something that was given to them from without. So to those who have obtained or received like precious faith. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verses 12 through 13. For as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, the conversion of a lost sinner is a supernatural working of God. Where He gives to us something that we once denied and did not want. But God gives it to us, even the faith to receive that gift. Because we have obtained it, being chosen by Lot, being chosen by God. And it is a like precious faith with us. Think about what he's saying here. This is Peter. He's the one who walked on water. He's the one who was there when Jesus went into the room with a little girl. And he said, Talitha Kumai, a little girl, arise. And he saw her raised from the dead. Peter was there when the feeding of the 5,000 happened. The feeding of the 4,000. Peter was there. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw his um, body changed into a glorious, the glorious appearing of Christ where the flesh was, in a sense, pulled back so that the glory of God is shown through him. He, he was there when, in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. Peter was there. And he says to his recipients that you have obtained a like precious faith With us. The very same faith that Peter had. 
who had seen Christ. He had saw Christ and ministered with Christ under his leadership for about three years, I suppose. He says to us and to his readers, you've got the same faith that's like mine and it's like ours. There's no difference. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, he told Thomas. So it's a like precious faith with us. And this faith is a faith that is obtained by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you know that God is perfectly righteous, perfectly just in saving lost sinners like us? John Newton, wretched man that he was, God was just and right in saving such a wicked sinner. And the Bible says that about Jesus. For this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That means every single person ought to accept this. What should they accept? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost, of whom I am chief. You see, Jesus came for that purpose. And it's the righteousness of God. God is just and He is the justifier of those who believe in Jesus. I want to know something this morning. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Hey, if you're starting off this new year and you don't have faith in Jesus, you're not going to grow in God. You're not going to grow in Christ's likeness. You've got to know today that you believe in Jesus Christ. That God has saved you by the grace of by His grace and mercy in your life. You no longer think that you are a person who is able to achieve heaven on your own. That God's going to balance out your good works and your bad works. And then at the end, uh, those good works are going to weigh out and you're going to be okay. Listen folks, that's not the way it works. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags before God. And He is calling us to have an alien righteousness. And a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. And it is a righteousness that comes to us only through Christ. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's how you become righteous. Do you know that? That's how you become righteous. Through Christ. If His righteousness is put to your account. And your sin is put to His account. It's something in the Bible that's called imputation. It is imputed to His account and to ours. So, this righteousness. Verse 2. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So, grace and peace be overflowing to you. To be to its max in your life through the knowledge, this epignosis, this this intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. What word do you see um, repeated here? key word, would you say, in verse 2 and 3? Knowledge. See, grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge. And then in verse 3, 
His divine power has given all, us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, epignosis, this intimate, um, impactful, life-changing knowledge of God. So the knowledge of Him is crucial to having the blessings that He offers. So often we want the blessings without having the knowledge. Because we want to worship a God made in our own image. A God of, that the world offers. Or one that we think is right. But the knowledge of God is obtained through the word of God. And as we obtain that knowledge of him. There's blessing that comes along with it. And that knowledge of Christ is a knowledge that gives to us. This life and godliness as his divine power has given it to us. It comes through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, looking at verse 4, it says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hey, that sounds pretty good. I'm a, I'm a little God, right? We're all little gods. Divine nature. Is that what he's talking about there? These precious promises are given to us through Christ. And because these precious promises are given, hey, we like the Mormons all become our own little gods. That's not what he's saying. That's not what it means. The divine nature. Divine <clears throat> means to, uh, you know, uh, relating to uh, a God. Of or relating to a God is one definition for it. Of or relating to God is what divine means. So this nature that he says we are in communion with, koinonia, partakers of, is a nature that is like God's. It is of God. Now, a lot of times when we're studying the Bible, we're like, okay, that sounds pretty good. I know it doesn't mean we all become God, so what does that mean? Let's start jumping all over the Bible to try to figure out what that means. I suggest to you when you're studying the Bible, don't go to jumping around all over the place to try to figure out what the current passage means. Stay in that passage and look at the context. So what is the context of this, of this verse, of this passage? What does it seem to be saying? What does it mean to have a divine nature and partake in that divine nature? Well, kind of think about it this way. Go back up to uh, verse 1. The righteousness of God. Is God righteous? Are we righteous in God? In God are we righteous? We, we become the righteousness of God through Christ? We have that? Now what about this verse 2? Is God a gracious God? Is God a God of peace? Is he peace, at peace with himself? What do you think? Is he happy or is he in turmoil all the time trying to figure things out like we do? No, he's at peace. Can we have grace and peace from God? Can we? Okay. Um, what about life and godliness? Is God a God of life? The Bible says God is. What about godliness? Is God godly? We better be glad that He is. This kind of makes Him God. 
can we have life? What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? I've come that you may have life and that you may have it what? More abundantly. And can we be godly? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live righteously, godly, and soberly in this present age. Can we be godly? Okay. Now, um, as we just kind of look at that, what does the divine nature look like? It looks like righteousness. It looks like grace and peace and life and godliness and knowledge and glory and virtue, excellence. That's what the word virtue means. So when we become partakers of the divine nature, we are experiencing these things because this is who God is. It's nothing weird like we're becoming God's. But we are able to reflect the person of God in our lives and thus we become partakers of His nature. We fellowship with Him in that. Now, let's move real quick to verse 5. And we're not going to be able to go too much further, but I want to read through this next part to show you how important it is. Um, what does this look like? How do we do this? All right, verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. So on the one hand, he says this is given to us. And on the other hand, we see that we are to give all diligence, verse 5. And this is where it breaks down for us in our daily walk. Because we're cool with the first part, that God has given us all of these things, but it's the second part where we lose our confidence. This is why we fail to have assurance of salvation, is because we don't give all diligence. You see, Peter doesn't say, let go and let God. He says, give all diligence. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. That's that same word in verse 3, but it's excellence, goodness. Your character, your actions align with what you believe. To virtue, knowledge. This is gnosis. It's not epignosis. It's just gnosis. It's a growing knowledge about God, about Christ. To knowledge, self-control. This is a self-restraint so that we don't do everything we feel like doing or everything that comes to mind. To self-control, perseverance. That's that steadfastness where we keep on in the, um, in the self-control. We keep on growing and learning. We keep on seeking to be uh, reflect the goodness of God. To perseverance, godliness, where we are living out uh, the the life of a follower of Christ on a daily basis, learning how that works. We're practicing our religion, if you will. We're practicing Christianity. And then in verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. This is Philadelphia, brotherly love. And to brotherly kindness, love. You know, when I read read this and really thought about it, really up until recently, I'm like, man, Peter really messed up by putting brotherly kindness and love at the end. That really should have been at the beginning, Peter. What were you thinking? But then I think I finally realized why the Holy Spirit led him to write it in the way that he did. Because wouldn't it be just like us to grow in virtue, to grow in knowledge, to grow in perseverance, to grow in godliness, 
and forget to love each other. Oh, I know all the doctrines. I know the Bible. I know how to act. I know how to live. But then we fail to love each other. Brotherly kindness. I tell you what, there's something that I'm going to encourage the church to do. Real practical, okay? We're getting real practical on this brotherly kindness thing. Because we can get so, you know, to ourselves. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do in 2023. I'm going to encourage you just to drop in on each other at your houses. And Lori just said, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> right, here's what I'm, have you ever been driving by somebody's house and you're like, hey, we ought to stop and see them. And then you think about three or four reasons why you shouldn't stop and see them. Well, what if they're getting ready for supper? What if they're, um, what if they're busy? What if they're, yeah, brotherly kindness. If you were just out and about and you had a brother in the area, and like a real biological brother or sister, would you be okay we're just dropping in on them. I mean, the reality is, I come from Russellville, okay? We do things like that in Russellville. You know, you just drop in on each other. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Well, I just want to drop by and say hi. No big deal. We'll, we'll see, you, see you wherever. But I want you to really think about that. When you're out and about, you're going by somebody's house. Hey, I wonder if so-and-so's home. Let's just drop by and say hi to them. Y'all are all looking at me like, this is going to be a terrible year. <laughs> now, you, you got to remember something. If you go too often to your neighbor's house, they despise you. That's what the Proverbs say. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying every week. But, hey, if the Lord brings it to your mind when you're out and about, hey, just do it. Show brotherly kindness. Because the reality is we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all part of the same family. And we can start reflecting those things in the way that we interact with one another, in the way that we love one another, and even in that brotherly love. Now, I don't know how that's going to go. I may, I don't know, I may be looking for a ministry position uh, by the time this is over with. But uh, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Because, man, we can't just focus on doing all these things and not love each other. And it's not that you love this person and not that person. Let's love one another as a church. And show that brotherly kindness to each other. Now notice what happens here as we conclude. In verse 9 he says, For he who lacks these things, that's all these seven things that were previous. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. And has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I'll pick back up here next week. But I would say to you this, if you are someone who has struggled with knowing whether or not you're saved, whether knowing your call and election is sure, it's probably because you're not practicing. You're not adding to your faith those seven things that Peter just listed for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray, God, that you would use it in our lives. And Thank you, Father, that we can. We can hear it. I pray, God, that your spirit would use it and that this year we would um, really be diligent to add to our faith. That we not be settled 
with just saying, well, I have faith. But God, that we would add to that faith the things that we've seen here, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. In Jesus' name, amen.